about God through the Spirit and giving us songs that would be ours in a sense, like it's the church. And I believe we may have had our first one right there. Come on. Right? It's funny, It's uh, when you read Ephesians, um, it mentions in verse 18 of chapter 5, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So one of the signs of just being overtaken by God is these psalms, these new songs that come forth. So it's just so great. Thank you, Michelle, so much for praying and just sharing that with us. That's what it's all about. Amen. Why don't you guys greet each other really quickly uh, as we transition. Um, I know it's 7.15, but I believe we can still finish what God's called us to do tonight. Hey, uh, while you're finding your seat again, While you find your seat again, a few um, quick housekeeping items for the community, la comunidad. First of all, if you did bring um, an offering tonight, um, Josh is right back here with the plate, so if you want to make sure that he gets it, that's great. Mama Liz um, is in Florida tonight. She is visiting her son, Frankie, and Janelle and their family. Janelle is expecting to give birth tomorrow. Hello? So we're going to be praying for them, of course. So most everybody here, I think, gives online. But if, you're, if you do have something, Josh, Emma, raise your hands back there. Make sure that you slip in um, a 20. I mean, no, I mean just give whatever you were going to give. And before you do, I want to give one more update. You may recall that this coming weekend, March 8th through 10th, we have our first ever cross-culture youth retreat happening. Isn't that awesome? We have 11 brave souls from the ages of 12 through 18 that are going to submit themselves voluntarily to Monica Juarez's leadership. I don't know why, but they are willing to do this for a weekend of God only knows what. But we are expecting amazing uh, testimonies to come from this. They're going to be hanging out together, spending time, of course, in God's presence, but also getting to know one another. And it's very exciting. Last time we had a great bake sale. And you guys helped us raise about 85% of what we needed to send them on this retreat. We are still about $150 short. So if anybody wants to in their heart, they want to send these kids off and take care of everything for them, um, you can just write Youth Retreat on a, on a, on a message um, if you give tonight and, or just yeah, tell us that that's what it's for. But we want to be able to bless them and send them out. We're really pumped. Monica, thank you. Who else is helping lead this? Danny, Tessa, Andrew. You guys are our heroes for taking a weekend to invest in the lives of these young people. It's tremendous. Thank you. We cannot wait. We'll be praying for you too as well. Um, You guys as well. Okay? So thank you for that. This Wednesday night, if you are a part of our worship team or want to be, we're getting together at Jose and Lenise's place. We're going to be talking a little bit about what we do musically and why we do it. We would love for you to come and join us. If, if you want to sing, if you play an instrument, or if you want to learn an instrument. As you can see, we have room up here for more musicians and instrumentalists. I really don't have to play the drums, guys. We, we could have a better drummer 
believe me, than that. So if you want to play drums, we need a bass player. If you want to learn bass, we're ready, we're, we're ready for you. Um, we want to expand the size of this group. And we want to serve our house churches better with musicians in the houses who are helping people encounter God, uh, encounter, encounter God on these levels. So Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at the Oyola household. That's 2424 North Neva. Please join us. Amen? Amen. A month from this weekend, we are having our second, no, third, third annual Blueprint Conference. I'm very excited about this. Who was at the Blueprint last year? What did you guys think? Worthwhile? Not quite. Worthwhile? I was expecting more enthusiasm. I huh? Okay, so JC and Maria are coming out of Samora. They are Venezuelans who live in Canada and in the U.S. And JC, and Mar- JC has been traveling internationally for the last 30 years um, doing gospel ministry. We have really been blessed by their presence among us at various points in time. So the first weekend in April, we are going to have a conference. Part of it is going to be in Oak Brook at Oak Brook Community Church, and part of it is going to be here. It's going to be Saturday, April 6th, and Sunday, April 7th. Saturday, we're going to start around 1.30 in the afternoon. There'll be a, a main session at 1.30, then some breakouts in the afternoon, a main session at 6. And then Sunday morning, we'll be at Oak Brook at 10, and we'll be here at 5 Sunday night. I just want to encourage you guys to... Make every effort to join us for whatever part of that you can. It, it was very powerful last year. Not only in the sense of encountering God, but in the sense of understanding our work here in our region. We've been blessed to partner with Chip and Cindy Block and Oak Brook on a number of levels. And we just so appreciate their spirit. So if you can carve out time for that. By the way, this is the one time in the service where if you want to get out your cell phone, your mobile phone, and you want to plug in these dates... And these happenings, this would be great, really, honestly. It's the one part in the service where I wouldn't, like, start to twitch if I see you, like, on your cell phone. So if you want to program these dates in, that would be awesome. So April 6th and 7th, Blueprint Conference. A couple weeks after that, we're going to have a very unique evening here. Wednesday evening, April 17th, we are going to be having a Messianic Jewish Passover Seder. Does anybody know what the word Seder, you know, anyone know what that means? It means a rehearsal of the Passover meal. Okay, the Passover meal is what Jesus celebrated a few nights before he was crucified. So there's going to be something of a rehearsal, not necessarily reenactment. Okay, Jose's not going to get a robe on and, you know, put, we're not going to put a crown of thorns. This is like a rehearsal of that meal. Like, what does it mean? What was it all about? Uh, of course, Jesus used the Passover to help reveal the purpose of his death, Right? A death that liberates, which is what the Passover celebrated, God passing over his people in order to liberate them from Egypt. So that meal is going to be available to you. Where is uh, Sean? Okay, what did we say? Anybody over what age can come? Five years and up. If you want to bring your kids, great, because they're going to learn some of the elements of the Passover meal as it's instituted in Exodus. And just because it's Messianic Jewish, it means that we're going to help people see the images of Jesus in all of the elements of this meal. Who's, who's been to a Passover Seder before? Okay, worth it? See, there's more enthusiasm there. People are catching on. But if you want to join us, it's totally free of charge. We want you to be able to, to jump in and celebrate this with us. So please consider that again April 17th. And then three days after that, April 20th, we will have our own Easter service here 
That's a Saturday night. Again, if you have your mobile phones, if you have your devices, if you have your tablets, if you use an old-fashioned like Franklin planner, anybody still use a Franklin planner? Get out of here. You do not. Franklin planners were the rage when I was in college. If you didn't have a Franklin planner, we didn't know if you were going to make it. The next, you know, it's the Franklin planner. If, whatever you got, April 20th, it's a Saturday. We're meeting here Saturday night. Why? Because we can't use this building Sunday morning because there's already a church here that's meeting. Okay? And we just, you know, meeting Sunday night on Easter is just kind of anticlimactic. It's just a little anticlimactic. I mean, he, he rose like 12 hours before that. You're just kind of like, I, I don't know. He's risen already 12 hours. So we're going to get a jump on it. Come on, somebody. We're gonna, Saturday night, we're going to get ahead of the curve and celebrate the resurrection even before it happened. Thank you. The spirit of prophecy. That's what that is. 5 p.m., same time as always, 5 p.m. right here. April 20th, that's our Easter service. Okay. One more announcement. Lish Garza, where are you? Come up, sister. Let's give a big hand for Lish. All right. I'm excited to share about um, there has been some creative juices flowing in the house. And we want to gather people that have been maybe just wanting to cultivate gifts that you have or maybe bring them out if maybe they're just lying there dormant. But we're going to meet at my house on March 20th for something called the Creator Creativity Guild. Something, something along those lines. Maybe you can come and help us come up with a better name. Uh, But our vision, I'm just going to read this real quick, okay? is by the Holy Spirit, we want to gather to inspire, sharpen, and propel one another onward in our creative gifts with excellence. So that could be anything from writing, drama, you guys, poetry, songwriting, anything creative. There's a lot of creative fields out there. So let the creativity begin and commence and do it. Let's go. March 20th, what time? 7. You got the smartphone? 20, March 20th, 7 p.m. at the, your house, Lish? At the Garza's. That's 3725 West Eastwood. Thank you. Yeah. The, the Creators Guild. Is that what we're calling it? The Creativity Guild. Amen. I'm... Huh? Oh, okay. A guild... If you're watching at home, a guild is a collection of people that have come together voluntarily, right, to develop some skill or to excel in some occupation. In ancient times, there were guilds that would get together to do things for one another that, you know, they needed help with. There was actually a funerary guild that would come together to help bury people's relatives. It's crazy. But, so guilds, we're not burying anyone in this. This is a creativity guild. So just to be clear. So the guild is for that. It's for people to come together. You, you, have a, you're, you can write. You can paint. You write songs. Come on, let's come together. Let's pray. Let's seek heaven. Let's let God use us so that out of the expression of these things, people's lives get changed. Jesus is exalted and people's problems get solved. I want to see 
a plumber's guild, some kind of like handyman guild. Where's Paul Eru? Come on, bro. Dan Jones, let's go. We, we, need a, we need a worker's guild, for crying out loud. People, I don't know how to do anything, okay? It's just a plea for help. It's just a cry for help. Any social workers here tonight? Okay. Well, okay. I need help. Okay. That was a lot of announcements. I apologize. But listen, sometimes when, when God's moving, things start happening. We got to keep track. Now, we'll try to get you guys all these on emails and different things. Jose, you're going to talk to us about RTF for a minute, aren't you? Okay. Amen. Yeah, we, um, we have been on the grace path, the awesome path of RTF the last year and a half. Um, if you don't know what RTF means, it means restoring the foundations. It's a um, ministry that helps um, the believer uh, get healing, appreciate God in a whole new way, and to really submit to the process of sanctification, to becoming like Christ. So we wanted to bring up a few people up to just share a little bit of testimony about RTF. Um, and uh, if Nithia and Ever can come up, we can, um, they're going to share a little bit on their experience of RTF. And again, we want to do this because we want to encourage you guys to take advantage of the opportunity to, for God to meet you and heal, and again, uh, lead you into greater fellowship with him. So, um, so I'll just share a little bit about my personal experience. I just feel like for me, um, doing RTF, first of all, let me preface this with saying, recently I've just been thinking a lot about how you can live only as far as the truth that you're aware of. And I feel like RTF, for me, brought about a lot of awareness of truth that I just didn't know before. And as soon as I learned about it, I'm like, oh my goodness, Wow. I have not been free of all these things for so long. So now that I'm aware of it, it provided me steps to be free. Um, I feel like the biggest thing for me personally was forgiveness. Um, well, unforgiveness. And just how much that had just helped, held me captive and just destroyed a lot of really important relationships in my life. And just watching how for, forgiving those people and just watching just like that cycle take place and watching how free I became and just how healing that was to those relationships has been just so beautiful to see the spirit at work there. Um, and just also ungodly beliefs was another big thing for me. Just things that my experiences, culture, um, family, just things that happened to me caused me to believe things that I thought were true that were not. They were lies. And Jesus broke those down <laughs> and replaced them with godly beliefs. Um, just... Sh- just expanding my perspective of who I really am in Jesus. Um, and I think that's just, that's the gist of it. <laughs> um, so my experience with RTF, I was going to say, is life transforming. Is Lenise here? Is she, is she here? Um, I... I'm so grateful to you and your wife for your obedience because it has impacted my family even now. Um, when I did RTF, for some of you who don't know me, I, I, I do leadership training and development for a living, and I coach and train people in different like sectors. And I'm used to training other people, but I'm not always used to training myself. And sometimes I feel like the best trainer is the Holy Spirit. And... Um, 
I think that I was so busy that I forgot how to listen in on what the Holy Spirit was saying. And it got to a point where I felt like I was really good. And I'm sure you've been through this before. You just get really good at playing the life and the role that you have in life. You just go through the motions. You show up to work. You show up for your friends. You do ministry when you can. And you just try to do the right thing as best as you can. But I've realized that doing the right thing isn't always right when your heart is wrong. And um, when I met with Jose and Lanise, I know that they were just starting this endeavor. So I was a little nervous because I'm like one of the hamsters that are being tested out here. And I'm like, this could go really, really well or really, really wrong. Um, to the extent where I'm like, I hope I can go to cross culture after this experience. <laughs> I'm being honest. So in that moment, I remember that um, they had me fill out this questionnaire. And it just revealed a lot about my heart. And so... Some things I was going through, just so you know. Um, I was struggling with feeling worthy. That was my biggest thing. I was struggling with feeling like I could actually be qualified to have a family one day. Because I came from a family of divorce. About six marriages. Um, I struggled with feeling like I could be a father. I struggled with feeling like I could be a good friend. Like, I struggled feeling like I could be a good son. And as I was wrestling with all those things that I'm writing out, I'm starting to realize that there's something in me that's not quite right. And my dependency in what I did for a living was affecting my ability to heal. And so um, this is where I pumped the brakes and said, I need, to, I need to pray on this. I need to look at this. And what happened to me was at this time, um, my beautiful wife who's here, my family who's here, they, they can attest to this. I was... I was really struggling with feeling that sense of worth in myself. And as I sat down with Jose and Lanise and received just prayer and guided questions that really helped to open up my ears to what the Holy Spirit was saying, I started to hear God tell me how worthy I was. I started to hear him tell me about who I was and why I went through what I went through. I started to receive that there was a purpose in my pain. And that to live out that purpose was a call um, that was significant to change not only my life, but the lives of those around me. And it helped me to understand my sense of worth so much so that um, I remember I went to Jose and I told him, I said, I'm going to propose. Like, I feel that release. I'm ready to propose. And it had been um, just a number of years. If you know my wife and I, we, before we got married, we went through our own battle with cancer and um, went through a, a bunch of different uh, struggles, and, and God has brought us through, and he's been extremely faithful. Um, but it wasn't until that moment where I felt like I was worthy enough as a son to take a wife. And so I prepared from that point on to do that. And this is a verse that um, I took with me after that experience. It says, blessed be the God and Father is Ephesians 1. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. To the praise of the, His glorious grace with which He has blessed us and win the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of grace. 
That was all I needed to know that I could forgive the people who hurt me and I could move on knowing that I was loved, knowing that I was a son. So to, to your point, I agree with you. I ended up learning how to forgive. I ended up learning how to receive. And I'm still growing, folks. Like, I'm not going to stand here and say I'm perfect by any means. But I love the fact that God has affirmed that place in me and now has impacted my beautiful family. That's what I got. So good. Amen. And again, this is why I believe the Lord allowed us to really bring RTF um, into this community to, again, like we, there's a lot of blindness many times when we go through life that we're not aware of. I, I personally was healed of something that I, I was carrying for over 35 years of my life. Um, and it was just the Holy Spirit that brought it to my remembrance and I got healed from it. And I was just so thankful and it just opens my heart to just desire for all of us to be walking in wholeness more and more. So if you have any more questions about it, um, feel free uh, to ask me, Lenise. Um, and again, those who have done it already, like we've told you, like you want to do it again for any other particular issue, we're here to serve you and watch the Lord continue to heal your hearts. So it is 740, right? Is that right? Wow. Wow. So if you give me 20 minutes, I think I can get you guys out of here by 8 o'clock. Amen? Are you guys with me? All right. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to zoom a little bit through this. I might have to do this in continuation another time. But we are going to do a little bit of RTF today. Okay? So, um... I'm excited about it. Just to give you a little mini version of RTF. One of the great things about RTF is that towards the end of it, when it talks about the follow-up, and it says this, like it or not, the Christian life is one of warfare. Either the devil beats you up or you beat up the devil. I'll say it again. Like it or not, the Christian life is one of a spiritual warfare. It's either the devil's going to beat you up or you're going to beat up the devil. So this is why we're going to go to Proverbs 4 real quick. Because I believe this is one of the key verses that's going to help us learn how to beat him up. And put him in his place in our lives and actually guard each other as a family. Um, before I go there, uh, there's an old saying that says there's uh, two guarantees in life. You guys know what that is? Death and taxes. Right? That's, that's the little slogan. But let me give you a couple other guarantees in life. One is being lied to, hurt by others, rejected, disrespected, overlooked, made fun of, cursed at, misunderstood, judged, not forgiven, treated unfairly. Falsely accused. That's a whopper right there. Falsely accused. Ooh. That's the one that really butters people's bread right there. But those are actually things that happen to all of us. Can any, can anyone, has anyone not been treated that way at all? So everybody in this room has dealt with these things that happen in their lives. 
Now, this is why we go into Proverbs 4, because Proverbs 4, 4 reveals something that's very important for us as we jump into the word. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You notice it doesn't say uh, your wife's job is to keep your heart, or your husband's, or your friend's, or your boss. It says you are ultimately responsible to keep your heart. With all diligence. The last time we shared, Jeff shared, he was talking about the importance of being diligent uh, to endeavor to uh, keep the unity in the spirit, to maintain the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. It's interesting that in Ephesians 4, bond is a word used for like a, um, a joint or ligament. Another medical word. Isn't it interesting? Bond of peace. And peace talks about rest and being whole. So one of our responsibilities is a family because, again, Ephesians 4 says you're already a family, like it or not. It's not like we're trying to be a family. God says you're a family already, and through the Spirit you learn to become more and more what you really are called to be. It's not like we're trying to be family when you're a believer. You're born, into, you're born again, you're in a family, but now God's saying endeavor, maintain, fervently maintain the unity in the Spirit in the bond of peace. So our responsibility is right out of Proverbs 4 to be diligent, again, another word diligence, to be fervent, to guard our hearts. Right? One of the things that we really struggle with in this area, because this is part of our fallen nature, what we once were, is the blame game. So one of the key things right off the bat that you have to learn in order to keep the unity in the spirit in the bond of peace is to end the blame game. Can everybody say amen? amen? All right? Some of us are very good at the blame game. We're masters. Master Jedi's in it. Other ones are Padawans and just learning. But the reality is, wherever you are, you have a temptation to blame someone else for your excuses. Now, we find this in Genesis right off the bat. Genesis chapter 2, or 3, I'm sorry. Where after the fall, Adam blames God. Eve blames the serpent, right? So we have this reaction to their sin. I, oh, it was the serpent that made me do it. Have you ever heard someone say that? The devil made me do it? We've heard that a lot. <laughs> then you have the other person that says, oh, no, it was you, God. And this is, a, man, this is incredible because when you get to a place where you're blaming God for what you did, wow, that opens the door to all kind of misperceptions, all kind of weird thinking about God. To the point where now when you're talking about actually being relational with people, the tendency of you hurting people goes a lot higher if you see God the wrong way. If you've been blaming God for your issues in your heart, you're going to inevitably hurt a lot of people. Right? So here's Adam revealing the blame game. It, it started in Genesis and it can just continue on and we see it all over the place. We see it in politics today, Democrats, Republicans. It's okay to say that in church, right, Republicans and Democrats? <laughs> we see that all the time. They're always blaming each other, trying to paint each other the wrong way, the, the worst possible way to win your vote. As a matter of fact, that's what they're trying to do, to win your vote. <laughs> but the important thing is that either way, you have to understand that this is something that is seeped in the culture. And it's seeped in our old man. So we have to end the blame game. You are responsible... For your heart and the condition of it. 
So, parents, again, up to a certain point with your child's life, you do what you can with your child. You give them the word. You pray for them. But there comes a point in the child's life where they are responsible for their heart. You know that, right? You're responsible for their heart for the rest of their lives. And none of us are going to be perfect parents, right? None of us are going to be perfect friends. Like, the reality is you can be the best parent possible, and your child can still have a wicked and tore up heart. And this is one of the stumbling blocks we have as people, especially when we're discipling others or we're parents. Like, you know, people use our mistakes to not grow up. Right? M- M- Michelle just sang the song. On to maturity. Put off the old, put on the new. Well, how do you put on the new if all you're doing is blaming other people about your, your own sin? You'll never get to a place of maturity if that's all you're operating out of. Right? So we see this in the blame game. Okay? Now, again, fr- family and friends, all of us as a family, play a role to help our hearts, you know, be guarded. Right? You know, we, we can be a brother's keeper, but ultimately, don't get that confused a role and responsibility. There's a difference between having a role in someone's life and being responsible for something. Because that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get you to put off responsibility and put it on somebody else and make them carry a weight they're not supposed to carry. That's not true. That's not, it's a false responsibility. And it's crushing people's lives. But the the goal is for you to come to a place where you recognize this is my responsibility. My heart is my business. And even in the marriage, to be honest with you, I mean, the more we do RTF, the more we do other things, it's clear. If you think your husband's responsible for guarding your heart, good night. Good night. Because you can have, again, you can have someone, you can be married with somebody, and they never change. They can just be the same person for 20 years. And ultimately, you can stop forgiving them. You can stop doing all kinds of stuff and say, you know what, it's, it's, it's his fault. This is why I'm doing it. And you know what God's going to say? No, it's your fault. Like, God's not going to be like, oh, I, I agree. I understand why you're so mad. That's not going to happen. God's going to say, how did you continue to take care of your heart despite everything that you went through? Now, Jesus Christ, he faced the worst thing ever in history. And Jesus himself, perfect Jesus, is walking towards the cross. They're mocking and they're beating him and all this stuff is going on. And somehow Jesus is able to forgive people on a cross in agony. Don't tell me he wasn't guarding his heart. That's exactly what he was doing. I believe in prayer and other things he was doing. He was keeping his heart free from these things. He didn't allow the people's sin to give him a reason to be get hardened, to actually sin. And he could have done that. But he didn't. But the very spirit that was in him and now is in us. This is why we can overcome because Jesus overcame the world and he gives us his spirit not to give an excuse for our behavior. We don't have an excuse because we have the spirit of God that gives us the strength to continue to forgive. To continue to love. To continue to give people things that they don't deserve. Over and over and over again. There isn't any limit to God's love for us, so why should we put a limit on how he wants to use us to love people? Thank God there isn't a limit on how he treats us, right? 
So we have to be a people that understand the first way that we trip up is the blame game, and we have to repent of it. If you're here playing that game, you need to go to Jesus and repent. Because you could be praying as, as your face is blue, but if you are playing that game, you're never going to grow up. It's not going to happen. I hate to be a bearer of bad news after some coffee and donuts, but this is, this is the reality of it. The reality is, like I mentioned to you, that all that huge list, and that's not the full list of what things that happen to us. There's other things that happen to us, even crazier, rape, sexual abuse. Right? Me, and, me and Monica were at Impact on Friday, this program that she runs at, at our high schools, and we sit there with 100 kids, and there's a moment where these kids can all share about where their lives are. And the volunteer workers, we don't tell them what they're going to hear because they, they probably run out the room. <laughs> they're like, we're out. We don't tell them what's going to happen. But what happens is these kids open up like crazy. My father tried to kill me. My aunt sexually abused me. I mean, what's normal now is wild. So no wonder God calls us to be a people who are walking in a freedom in our hearts. Because these people around us who are going through tremendous trauma, tremendous trauma, and they're trying to figure things out. Like, what do I do with this? And they're struggling and they're suicidal and all this stuff. Like, where is the hope? If not in God's people. If not in the people who are saying, listen, I'm going to stop blaming others for my own sin. Because that's the, that's the first way, that's the, that's the first step to real freedom, guys. And we're called to freedom. We're called to a liberty that Jesus Christ opened the door for us to have. So the blame game. And you accept responsibility for your sin. Now, another thing you need to uh, uh, really look at is pondering your path. In the same chapter, in in, in verse 26 of of Proverbs 4, it says, Ponder the path of your feet. And let all your ways be established. Have you ever taken the time? Do you practice really looking back at why you reacted the way you reacted when something happens? Someone mentioned a certain word. Or you saw something. And there's a trigger in your heart. And you start reacting negatively. That happened to me five hours ago at my house. I got to preach my own sermon. I got a live demonstration in my own house. So the way it works. I'm at my house, and I confessed something that was, it was not true, and it changed my attitude. And it caused me to be rude to Lanise. So I was rude with her, and then I caught myself. Because, oh, no, I, the reason why I was rude with her is because I'm believing a lie. Now, I could say, Lanise, it's your fault. I could do that. I could be tempted to say, it's your fault, honey. You need to change the way you act. But no, I recognize that what I came out of my heart, what I was believing, had caused my attitude to change. And I repented in front of her. So I was wrong. I'm 100% wrong. And I thank you to the Holy Spirit. He said, make sure you tell her 100% wrong. I was like, oh. I was okay with saying I was wrong. He said, no, 100%, Jose. Okay. Sometimes you get so used to the blame game 
You don't want to take full responsibility. You want the other person to feel a sting when you sin. <laughs> Sinful nature is terrible, man. And you don't want to take the full responsibility. Like, what, what about this? You know? Or we throw accusations about what someone did last week in those moments. What about two weeks ago when you did that? Oh, really? Well, why are you bringing that up now? Why are we going to talk about that right now? <laughs> Maybe you haven't been guarding your own heart for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or six years or seven years. We are so careless with something that is so precious to God. This is the center of who we are. This is where it says the issues of life flow out of. And we're so careless with it. As if somehow time is the healer. It isn't. It's repentance. It's accepting responsibility. It's going to God and asking him, pondering your feet. Why did I act that way, Lord? In that moment, what do you need to show me about my heart right now? That's revealing maybe something that I'm believing that is not true. Ponder your path. Take the time to ask God why you reacted the way you did. You may, you may be led into more repentance. Yes, more repentance. <laughs> you may be led into more healing. Because that's the goal. Right? When Ephesians 4 talks again, the bond of peace, it's talking about being whole. It's, it's a ligament. It's the bond of peace. It's, it's about resting, right? When you're really in rest, you're whole. It's interesting, another passage that talks about being diligent to enter into rest uh, is, is in Hebrews 4. It says, be diligent to enter into rest. And the context is this. Israel heard God's message. He, they heard his voice. But they did not believe God. They didn't trust him. So the Bible says they didn't mix what they heard with faith. So they did not enter the rest. They couldn't be whole because they did not want to believe God's word. And this is why this is so important. In our hearts, the only way to really find rest is how you believe the word of God. Not just hearing the word, because they heard the word. They heard the message. But the Bible says they did not mix it with faith. And they died in the wilderness because of unbelief. They ended up in a desert that, where they should have been somewhere else. And they're broken and messed up. And they never reached their destiny because they did not trust God. So some of God's paths are going to be difficult. Don't get me wrong. When he told me 100%, you think I was like, hallelujah. I felt the sting. I was like, oh, it was hard. It ain't easy. But it is the way. It is the only way. And we got to be convinced of that as his people. There's not no shortcuts to freedom. There's no shortcuts to get to where you God wants you to be. It's going to cost you something. It's gonna, you're going to feel something. In this process. Another thing we have to be concerned about is learning to break agreements with the devil. Now again, in the baseball world, we have free agents and we have people who want to become, enter into contracts. And they're pursued by different teams. Can you, they're wooing that person, man, would you come to our team? I just heard about this guy, Harper, from 
He signed a 13-year, $330 million contract. <sighs> my goodness, I miss my calling. <laughs> Side note, if you hit three out of ten balls in baseball, if you fail seven times, you can be a $300 million player. Isn't that staggering? Anyways, just want to throw that there. It's just, it's just crazy to think like, how much failure is celebrated and, and appreciated. But the reality is, here's a guy who's looking to go into contracts, and he makes an agreement, and now he's bound to that contract. Right? He agrees to do something, and the team agrees to do something with him. Now, here's the thing with us. God wants you to break your agreement, contract with the devil, to enter into covenant with him. God wants you to break your contract with the devil, an agreement that you have with the devil, in order to enter covenant. Because, again, Bryce Harper can't have a contract with two teams. He's got to pick somebody. It's the Phillies, the Cubs. It's going to be somebody. Go, okay, it's the Phillies. I'm going to go, you know, that's $330 million. Why not? You know? So he agrees. But he can't have a contract with another team. So here's the problem with the Christian life. We think we can have a contract with the devil and be in covenant with God. And guess what? What the devil does with that contract, he's always breaking his contract. Here you are hoping that he keeps his word. Oh, my goodness. And he's constantly like, whatever. I'm going to keep lying to you. But God says, you know, agree with me, you enter into covenant. An unbreakable covenant. An unbreakable covenant, people. I mean, we're talking about something that God, through his son, has started and cannot be broken. That we can have full confidence in. So as we're in the word of God, right, God calls us to a place where, again, we break agreements with the enemy. Don't feel bad for making a contract with the devil. Whatever he's promising, he can't keep his word anywhere. Don't be a puppet. Because at the end of the day, when you agree with the devil, what you are agreeing to be is a puppet. And you're going to be, have you, seen, have you seen The Sound of Music? or What's another good movie that highlights this? The Sound of Music, when they got this guy going with the little puppets. Who's seen The Sound of Music? Pinocchio, here we go. So, again, we have this image, right, of someone pulling the strings and the figure doing whatever the string is doing. That's what happens when we agree with the enemy. The illusion that you're in control is just propagated. It's that you think you're in control. But he's pulling the strings all the time. He's manipulating your heart. He's touching certain things in you and making you act a certain way. You're not in control. This is for us the sole key. And why do I say this? Because your sin, your inability to really grow up affects the body. Do you really think that me and Jeff are sitting here talking about family and maturity and all this stuff because we're just bored? We're talking about this because your maturity matters to us. You growing up and who God has called you to be matters, not just to us, but to people that you've never even met before. You think your life is just about you and your career? Like, 
you, you really think that just that limited? When God said, listen, learn to guard your heart. Don't cast the blame on someone else. It's not their responsibility. Why? Because the bond and peace is at stake. Maintaining it is at stake. This is so important. Now, another thing that will help you guard your heart is believe God can work through the consequences of your failures and others. That's a big whopper. Because there's some things out of your control that are going to happen to you. And that's another guarantee in life. How many of us have gone through something that we didn't deserve? It just happened to us. And now we're dealing with the consequences of it. Where do you stand with that in your heart? Are you convinced that God's able through the circumstances that you did not create to do something good? Or has that led you to bitterness and blaming God? And asking God, why, why did you let me go through this? Are we that short-sighted? Is God able to turn something that was meant for evil to good? Is he able to do that? Right? And this is what we have to press through in our hearts as a people through prayer. Like, Lord, don't let a circumstance derail my faith. Don't let the failures of others and what's happened to my life be the excuse for me not to grow up. Because it's amazing. All of us are in the same boat, and all of us have to decide how we're going to deal with these things. All of us. And some people are going to go this way, some people are going to go that way. And it's like we're, we're trying to all do it the same way. Is it possible that a group of people can respond biblically the same way to situations? Now, again, we're not talking about being the same people. We all have different personalities. But I'm talking about being committed to the word of God. Being committed to who God is, and when things happen, how do we respond as a people? Because that's a big one. In Hebrews, it talks about the root of bitterness and how it defiles others. Remember, root, a root takes time to develop. And in God's goodness, I believe that he does all kinds of stuff to reveal that something is growing in you that ain't right. Something has taken root inside of you that is not his will. It says bitterness defiles other people. Many people, it says in Hebrews. So this is why the RTF is so big. Because RTF basically is, all RTF really is, is helping you learn how to forgive. And every time you practice forgiveness, every time you repent and you forgive, all of a sudden your heart opens up. Your ears open up to God's voice. All of a sudden, you're hearing God. Well, how did that happen? You are taking care of your heart. It's an intentional session for you to take care of your heart through the business of life that you're not doing. And all of a sudden, you start getting this freedom. Now, again, our tip is just a snapshot. This is something we should be practicing all the time. All the time. Because trust you me. This week, things are going to happen that are out of your control. Trust you me, people are going to offend you. Jesus says it is impossible for offenses not to come. He says it. So it's paramount for us to be a people that understand that we cannot 
shift any blame to anyone else. We have to learn to guard our hearts. Now again, as you step into living for Jesus, there's also guarantees in that life. The guarantee in the life of Christ is that you will learn how to forgive, love, be patient, be gentle, have self-control, kindness, generous. Those are the guarantees that God says in his covenant about your life with him. As you learn to present your heart to him over and over again. And, you know, one of the the amazing passages that comes to mind is um, this passage about Absalom and David. Not sure if you've ever read this story before. But David... Uh, his daughter is raped by one of his sons. One of the most horrific things you can even imagine. Your own daughter is raped by your son. But David doesn't do anything to his son. No justice. He forgives him, but there's no real justice that's just demonstrated. And Absalom is just like, oh, snap. What kind of dude is this? My own dad lets is going to let my, my brother get away with this? And because Absalom, even in the midst of a tr- horrific situation, does not guard his heart, he ends up feeling like he has the right to usurp and to kick David out of the throne. And he's rallying people around him in the Bible. He's rallying people because now he has a cause, that he, ha- he has an issue in his heart that has not been resolved biblically. There is an injustice. There is an injustice. There's no denying that. But again, it's not the issue of the injustice. The issue is how you deal with the injustice. And the power of it not being resolved and what it can lead you into. That which led to his own death. So this is why we have to be very careful, guys. Because we can be, this world right now, all it's highlighting, the highlighting is all the injustices. And it's a lot of them. There's racism, all kinds of different things are happening. There's wrong, horrible things. But the reality is they don't have an answer for what we have. They don't have the answers that we have. We have the answers. We know what we can do with our hearts. Who to take it to. How we can be healed. How we can overcome through all the injustices we're facing. So this theme of unity is so important. It is warfare because the world offers its own version of peace. This is what the world is offering, a version of peace, but it's demonic. It's not real peace. It's not real wholeness. It's not real rest. It's temporal. But God says this peace crushes that peace. This peace that he says that we have, that we need to maintain, is what crushes this false peace. But we enter into that by looking inward. We, we, we learn to say, no, enough is enough. I'm not going to stop playing games. We had a, literally a prophetic song about that tonight. You don't think God, I didn't ask her to sing that song. I didn't even know she had that song. God wants us to step into maturity, and this is the path. The church is a mockery in many places. Why? Because the church is reacting just like the world is reacting. 50% divorce rate. In the church, in the world. There's a level of unbelief that must be repented of. A level of lack of submission that must be repented of. This is why I encourage you tonight. 
God has placed this unity thing in our hearts like never before. And I, I long to see all of us grow in deeper maturity in Jesus Christ. What a sign and a wonder to the world that we can walk in a rest and a peace. When everything is going haywire, we have a shalom. That's warfare, people. This is why Ephesians 6 talks about it. Put on the whole armor of God. Prayer. The helmet of salvation. What do you think the helmet is doing? It's protecting your mind. These lies that come into your mind, do you think that's you half the time? Don't you understand the warfare against your own mind? If he couldn't stop you from being born again, he's definitely going to just attack your mind to get you to believe what your spirit is denying. Your, your spirit is saying, no, that ain't the truth, but your mind says, yes, it is. Because you're believing lies. There's a serious warfare happening right now. And based on the landscape, the church is losing. This is why people are crying out for revival and all this stuff. And I love revival. Bring revival on. But at the end of the day, if minds are not renewed, and people aren't looking more like Jesus Christ, check please. I'm out. This is why the work is hard, and it takes time to love people. I mean, in RTF, I'm amazed at how many things people believe about God and themselves. Like, wow, do you even read your Bible? It's heartbreaking, guys. It's heartbreaking to see people believe you so many lies. They're getting crushed. And God's calling us not to be victims in this life. Don't yield to a victim mentality. Listen, I got a resume too of abuse, sexual abuse. I, mean, I know I mentioned like me getting jumped and people laugh about it because I always mention me getting jumped, right? My kids laugh about it. But I can list it out. BCology. You want me to be real with y'all tonight? I can be as real as the day is long right now. What the devil had, how he had perverted me? I can be real with you. And you know why I can be real with you? Because I'm forgiven of everything that's happened to me in the past. But I'm not going to sit here and watch us continue to yield to these lies. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fight for you guys, but you got to fight with me. Who wants to fight? Because you're in a fight already. You're in a fight. Remember I said earlier. This Christian life is a, is a spiritual warfare. Either the devil's going to beat you up or you're going to beat up the devil. And for us, God's given us the tools, the weapons to fight the good fight. It all starts with how you take care of your heart. It all starts there. So I encourage you guys tonight, I'm wrapping up, we're done, it's 8.15. And I really want to encourage you guys to take this week to examine some of the, the triggers throughout the week. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're just reacting very harshly or certain things come up. Man, listen, pause. Don't point the finger, say, oh Lord, what's happening here? What have I believed? What's going on right now? What's keeping me in this place? that I can't move forward. Breaking agreements with the enemy is huge in RTF. 
You got to be willing to step into this. You, you got to understand this. Because you're going to be a victim or a conqueror. This is the way it works. So I'm going to just end in prayer tonight. Um, if anyone wants prayer in any area in this particular what I've shared, I just, I'm open to praying for you. Again, I can't do the work for you. Me or Jeff, or your leaders can't do it for you. This is not a magic wand ministry. You're going to have to get in the word of God and let the light of God's word expose what you're believing. That's the only thing that can do it. The flashlight of God's word revealing what you believed about yourself, about him, about even the trauma that you've experienced in the past. God wants to put a flashlight on it. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to make you make you whole. So, Lord, I just thank you right now. I'm asking you, Father, that your people would stop playing the blame game. Give them a revelation of the freedom that comes with accepting responsibility. I pray for marriages right now where this game has happened and, and it's been played and it hasn't produced anything good. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to break that even tonight. That there would be an end to the blame game. And that God, the couples in this house will be people who accept responsibility. I pray for the singles. That Lord, those who are, are looking to marriage, they would learn this now. They would learn this now. That God, if they would just accept responsibility for their own sin. And they would just put away that game. They can experience true freedom with you. Thank you, Lord. Would you raise up an army in this place? Our people who understand that they have an opportunity. Like Jesus, it says in 1 John chapter 3, that Jesus, that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. You were revealed to destroy the works of the devil. So, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would move us. You would mobilize us to be a people who are actively destroying the works of the devil in our lives. And that you position us to destroy the works of the devil in other people's lives. We want to see our brothers and sisters free. We want to see maturity in this house. We don't want to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We don't want to be, remain children. We want to grow up. So Jesus, do this in us. If anyone needs prayer for these areas, if you find yourself in the blame game, I want you to come up. If, you're, if you are in the blame game, just come up. Get prayed for. You're going to need the Holy Ghost to break that off your life. Blame game, come on up. 